Hello and welcome to the Big Esports Podcast. This is episode number 42 with Nandu, the General Manager of Southeast Asia, India and Australia for Twitch TV. We chat about his interesting history, going from working in charities and as a volunteer to working in Goldman Sachs, starting a fan up into Twitch. We also discuss a whole lot, obviously, in this podcast about Twitch TV, about its development in emerging markets in which he's working, about user acquisition, but also about how it services its current partners and helps develop those in which create content on its platform. And we also had a very interesting discussion around rights in esports, purchasing of that and different revenue income streams. This was a fantastic podcast from a very experienced individual and I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. Thanks so much for being a listener of this podcast. We've created it really to help increase information sharing and understanding of the esports market. If you'd like to help us out, feel free to leave us a review on whatever podcast platform you do and make sure to share this with your friends. Hopefully we've been able to provide some fantastic information to you and a bit of a learning experience over this period of time, whether you're looking to skill up, enter the industry, or you're just looking to monitor to see how things are going. If you'd like to put yourself forward as a guest, suggest any others or ask any questions, feel free to connect with us at bigesports.gg or on any of the social media platforms at bigesports underscore gg. Nandu, thanks so much for joining us today, mate. Good to be here. So can I just start off by asking, where are you positioned in the world right now? I understand you're a bit of a travel and have lived in many different places. I am in Singapore right now. Yeah, fantastic. So I guess we'll start off as we do with every other podcast as something fairly easy. Can you let me know a little bit about yourself, your history and what your current role is today? Uh, sure. So I am the general manager for Twitch in Southeast Asia. Um, I've been with Twitch for about a year. Uh, and most directly before this, uh, I was a director uh, for Twitter in India. Yeah. Uh, I can go a bit further in the background, though. Might help yeah, that'd be the fantastic. Context. So uh, I will go all the way back and I'll move pretty quickly to, to the front. Um, so but my background, my family is all from India. Uh, I was born in Boston, uh, raised in Texas, um, did my undergrad at University of Texas. And post that, I lived in Latin America for several years. I was a Peace Corps volunteer, um, did service for the U.S. government, and then came back to the United States, uh, started work at Goldman uh, which is the exact opposite of the Peace Corps in terms of culture. Um, but uh, Ed Goldman really learned a lot about working with entrepreneurs and realized that that's what I found was more interesting, was actually uh, building companies more so than just transacting in them. Um, so I left banking, uh, went to business school, uh, graduated with my MBA from Harvard in 2006, and then post that. Um, I've been doing kind of startup tech ventures for uh, a number of years. Um, was at one startup that was doing a lot of work in India that grew, got, got acquired. And then I started my own business, um, which was in the mobile content space. And we did a lot of information around healthcare, um, which was inspired by my Peace Corps service. Um, and over the years of building that business, I spent eight years building it, uh, raised two rounds of venture capital funding. Um, we did a lot of work in the video space, which kind of starts to get to the Twitch story. Um, because I was way back in the day, I was actually an early subscriber to the predecessor to Twitch, which was Justin TV mm. and could see that, you know, content creators needed multiple ways to monetize their content. Um, as a 
you know, within my own company, um, we were really active um, and early movers in, in India on the YouTube creator platform. Um, and I could see both the benefits as well as the challenges of trying to distribute and monetize uh, video content. And I wound up selling that business about four years ago in 2015 and then got recruited by Twitter. And, um, you know, Twitter, I think, was actually kind of there's a lot of interesting um, parallels to, to Twitch in terms of its uh, growth and trajectory and its focus on new media and how it's kind of really changing uh, the landscape of how creators and content gets mm. distributed. So for you, um, I'm getting a lot of sense of, you know, Silicon Valley tech um, scaling entrepreneurial, but not so much of gaming. Is is gaming something you've been engaged in for a long time or a fairly new passion for you? Yeah, that's actually one of the things I love. Uh, people look at that background and they think, ah, man, where's the authenticity check on this? And so uh, let me go back with gaming. I was um, I was like that kid that always got in trouble playing my <laughs> Nintendo uh, at you know, 2 a.m. where my, my parents would come in and be like, what is this? You know, What are you doing? It's 2 a.m. And I'm like, trying to solve Contra, yeah. right? Um, and you know, in college... Uh, I was a Street Fighter II champion in my dorm room, which was one of like my great moments of my freshman year of, of college. Uh, you know, to to have bested all the other people at Street Fighter II. This was a much different platform back in the day, though. Street Fighter has like totally evolved, and I was playing it at IEM, and I got like totally schooled by you know a kid who was you know like sixteen, um, and. And then even more recently, I've, I've been, I'm pretty big into League of Legends, so um, I tend to be an ADC bot laner, um, although with my main, I'm pretty good to go top lane. And like, you know, this weekend, you know, I pulled a, on KDA, I did like 10 kills, one death, and like eight assists with Ash top lane, and I only got like an, like an A-, and I'm like, what does a guy have to do to get an <laughs> S now in League of Legends? It's like yeah. near impossible, so... Uh, so I've always been kind of a kind of a gamer. It's always been there, and it's it's like you know, it's one of the elements that I love uh, about Twitch. It's it's a chance to work uh, in, in an industry that I've always had. You know, like my parents in the background going like, "Yeah, how could you ever make a living doing this video game stuff?" And strangely, uh, here I am. I I am. Yeah, it's fun. It's funny. I have this discussion quite often with people. Um, you know, they don't seem like they come from a gaming background, and it's really interesting to me to see that now people who are reaching senior positions such as yourself are, I guess you could say, for lack of a better term, one of us, and they're starting to reach into that space. Do you think that's going to, you know, help advertising and further adoption in the business market of, of gaming? Are you seeing that across other companies that Twitch work with as well? It's The gamers are now raising or rising to the top ranks? Uh, there are, and I think it's and part of it is kind of an education process because, People have always viewed like gaming and kind of esports and anything around game development kind of always like there's this fringe thing, right? Like it's always on the side. Um, and, you know, as I think that one of the, I guess, as you're seeing companies grow and understand the industry, um, you're seeing people rise up in the management that um, probably come from a, a bit more of a kind of structured management background, but then still also really love gaming. Um, it is a really unique industry and I don't think that you can, you know, plop down in it easily coming from other spaces. Uh, so, 
it is good to see uh, more and more people come up. And I think it, and, and, and at some level with credibility, like, you know, I remember like even as I got recruited in there and, you know, I could first sense a, you know, the initial apprehension people were like, Oh, is this a MBA background kind of suit? And, um, and then to actually know uh, a decent amount in gaming, uh, you know, Hey, it gives credibility. Yeah, for sure. And what's, what's the pull for you then to get into Twitch? Is it the technology that's backing it? Uh, is it a mixture of the gaming culture and the company or is it something else? Uh, it was a couple of things. Um, one Twitch kind of is on this really fascinating growth, um, growth plan. And, um, you know, it is, it, I think we're at kind of this seismic moment. Um, over the last year we grew really rapidly, not just in like North America, um, but globally. And, um, you know, I think Twitch realized, you know, we're also about, you know, four years post an acquisition from, from Amazon and, mm. and you're seeing kind of the next level of management come into the company and think about how do we really scale like the next quantum leap upwards. Um, you know, Twitch had, had hired a number of folks that I had worked with um, uh, together at Twitter. And that was kind of like my first real introduction to the kind of internal team. I mean, I'd always been, again, familiar with Twitch and it was funny, again, even when I met uh, one of the founders, Kevin, I was like, yeah, you know, I had been a subscriber back to you guys, you know, back in like, I think it was like 2013 when, when you all were just in TV and a stream went down and I was really upset. And I remember finding at that time, the then CEO's, you know, LinkedIn profile and sending him a really angry note about how upset I was <laughs> that my stream was going down. And yeah. I'm hoping that is no longer on your email servers at this point, because it was a really, <laughs> it was a really mean <laughs> note. I had wrote, um, and I apologize if that is somewhere still sitting on your throat, but, um, but no, so my interest has kind of always been there. And I think the, the, the part of it that probably gives me a different perspective is that I've been a content creator. Um, you know, in my company, I, you know, we had about 2000, uh, YouTube videos and I only appeared in a small number of them, but, you know, we had a whole studio that, that we created all of our own content. And I was deeply involved with kind of how our videos monetize, how we think about um, a release schedule, how difficult it can be to be a content creator um, that's trying to distribute digitally. And so I could see that the ecosystem truly did need another kind of good company that was really creator focused. Mm. Uh, and that's in a big what brought me to Twitch. And what's it, what's it like operating with virtually no competitors in the current environment? Are, are you always looking out at, you know, what people are bringing up? Obviously, there's companies like Caffeine that are raising, you know, $100 million and, and various other properties like Mixer and YouTube getting into gaming and such, but nothing has really seemed to even put a chink in the armor of Twitch thus far. Uh, there's always competitors. So I, I probably am a bit more paranoid than the average person in terms of that. Um you know, it's easy to say, oh, okay, by certain metrics, we're, we're crushing it and we're doing really well. And mm. Hey, you know, let's just keep doing what we're doing. Um, but in reality, um, is that, you know, product and tech change so rapidly, you know, pretty much every 18 months, every 24 months, you have a pretty big shift in um, what's available uh, from product. 
And you have to kind of be able to envision where is the market going Mm. um, and help position the company to get there or any organization to get there. So I, um, you know, look at kind of a very growing and crowded field because I think we've recognized like Twitch has something that works, um, which is even if you go back, you know, even right around the acquisition when it happened four years ago, I remember there's this common phrase people are like wow people watch people play video games and i'm like yeah it's been kind of a thing for a long time it's not new you know it's people watch other people play a game it's not um the concept is is not necessarily new and what you have are a lot of different um companies uh, from established large you know tech giants to um very well-funded startups um, that are all trying to angle for a piece of that market. So um, I, I'm probably, uh, you know, I'm, I'm one that doesn't just kind of sit there and go like, oh, okay, I think everything's going pretty good. I, I think we're set. It, it is, you know, we really have to stay on our toes because there's more people gunning for us than ever before. Yeah, and I guess something that that makes Twitch a little bit different is you can kind of draw an analogy between the whole, you know, Uber is the largest taxi service with, with no cars, you know, Airbnb being the largest hotel slash booking platform with no physical hotels. And, you know, Twitch, you're primarily trading on content that other people are creating and streaming on your platform. You know, how how are they integrated into Twitch and, and how are they supported by your ecosystem when you're not really pushing out your own content? Um, so I, well, Correct it a bit. We do actually create some of our own content and invest in content creation mm-hmm. as well as content licensing. Um, but you're right. The, the heart of what we do really is our community, right? So we're kind of you know, the way that, that um, our company often describes it is we're a community of communities and each of those smaller communities are, Hey, I am a partnered streamer who has, you know, built some time, you know, built a audience sometimes from just one or two concurrent viewers to now thousands. And it can be around a variety of things, everything from, you know, Hey, I'm really great at Fortnite or League of legends, or, Hey, I'm doing IRL content, um, or lifestyle content. So, um, you know, we support that heart with really kind of a, one of the things that I, I, uh, again, brought me here, which is a very clear way to say, here's your path to affiliate. And then here's your path to partner, um, at, at Twitch. And so like, as compared to like my experience, you know, back in the day and, you know, working with a different platform, it was always kind of ambiguous, like, Hey, how do I get, become a verified channel or how do I, um, you know, know that I start, I've reached a size that I can start getting support, mm. um, with, with Twitch, it's, it's very clear, you know, we say like, Hey, here we have a, you know, a ton of information and resources available. Um, first of all, on our line, you know, online, so just a person who's just curious and wants to start and sees like, okay, cool. You know, um, yet I've signed up, I've started working on my way to an affiliate. I should build a regular schedule. Um, I should promote on other, um, social channels and so on. And then eventually we move those people that have built a kind of an audience into partner. Um, and then our largest partners are now, you know, now have kind of reached, you know, household name status in many parts of the world. So that's exciting to see, but we do a lot of work to kind of 
start somebody from, hey, that very basic, I'm curious about Twitch to, hey, I've moved to becoming um, um, a large tier partner and I get a lot of support hands on as, as I've grown. Yeah, I don't think it'd be too far of me to say that a lot of creators on Twitch feel much more loved than, than other platforms such as YouTube, for example, which seems to bring quite a bit of anxiety around the adpocalypse and such. Yeah, that was... Um, the apocalypse is rough. And, and um, you know, I think that, again, it's one of those, like the industry has grown so fast. And I talk in this case about, you know, you know, if you're media and you're buying, um, uh, you know, any type of video ad product, um, it, it kind of just shifted so seismically in about five years. Mm. I mean, now, you know, if you put that in context, I mean, for, you know, over 50 years, it was kind of, Hey, you know, show up on, you know, Madison Avenue, go talk to an agency. They're going to get you some primetime television, um, you know, between seven and eight o'clock at night, you'll pay, you know, if you have a product to advertise, boom, we'll put it up there. Right. Mm. And, you know, television advertising didn't really have like a ton of innovation, um, for decades. And so if you look at just how far we've moved in the last five years, um, you know, now there's an ability to reach a global audience at the right time, um, at the right moment with the right message, but then that kind of ability to do really amazing things on the platform can also sometimes go awry. And so I think, uh, you know, there's taken a, um, the, the level of energy and, um, business acumen taken to go out and reach the right audience now. It's it's grown manifoldly larger than where we were just uh, just even a few years back. Yeah, and I want you to expand for me just a little bit about you know the simple breakdown of monetary streams for for Twitch as well as for your as well as for your uh, broadcast partners. Yeah, so Twitch monetizes in kind of three key ways. Um, you know, one is yes, we have a lot of video content. Um, and while people are watching those videos, we, uh, will run advertisements, either pre-roll or mid-roll. Um, that's, uh, kind of the, the most easily understood for a lot of people that come from kind of a, a non-digital native world is like, oh, okay, you, you run video ads. Uh, and you know, subscribers or for me, um, our partners will share in part of that ad revenue. Um, the next kind of the you know, key way that we monetize is through subscribers. So, um, partners are able to offer subscriptions to their content, um, that unlock, um, special emotes and special, um, creator content, uh, and that we price that at $5 a month. Uh, and individuals who are out there in the world can say, Hey, I really like this creator. I want to subscribe to their channel and subscribe to their content and support them. Um, and again, we work on a rev share basis with the partner there. Um, and the last is something that was introduced a, a little bit more recently are our bits, um, which act as a way of like, you know, tipping or cheering, um, within chat. So. Um, you say, Hey, wow, really cool move. Or, Hey, I really like your comment or I thought it was super funny, um, or super, super interesting. Let me, um, give you a cheer here. And that is our, again, our currency that we would call bits that lets us, let's say user, um, offer a really small or large, depending on how much they want to tip, uh, amount towards the creator. 
And could you could you give an estimate as to how many full time Twitch streamers you think there is on your platform across the globe, or is that is that a number that you haven't thought about? Uh, no, we definitely have that. I actually we we stated our December year end numbers, um, and forgive me because I won't have the most recent. Uh, and I tend to look a little bit more specifically uh, around. Asia and Asia Pacific numbers, which we do keep confidential. Unfortunately, I wouldn't be able to share that. Mm, yeah, no problem at all. Yeah, it's a it's a really interesting uh, change, I guess. If you're looking at the Twitch platform, for me, and I'd be interested if you agree with this, that there's a lot of YouTubers that because of you know the demise of ads, they're looking to alternative revenue streams, and people are understanding that you know only getting revenue from one entity, which may be YouTube, and only one way through that, which is YouTube ads, is not often the best way to run your business. You know, you're relying on one single source of income. So people are coming to Twitch where, you know, a major advantage is that, sure, if, if people may use an ad blocker or, or get around the ads you're served, you're still getting donations through bits. You're building a community of people that are hyper interacting with you in a one-on-one space. And it seems to be a, a more sustainable way to make money, but also, you know, managing some different streamers and stuff, it, it seems to be a much higher earning potential for those people involved. Would Would you agree with that statement? Uh, yeah, and I'll, and I'll probably broaden it again in a, in a way because I empathize with the, um, like, how a creator has got to live, right? I think um, if, if I were to offer, you know, hey, here's my broad advice to a creator, you can't really depend on any one platform for monetization. The best creators who have reached a really sustainable level, they know that in essence, they themselves are like the brand and the products that people buy. Right. And you may have people that are interested in coming to you via Instagram or via Twitter. Um, uh, you might find that you monetize really well from a Patreon um, campaign. Um, you might find that you've reached a size where you start working with an agency. Um, but I, you know, tell creators that it's important to think about kind of like, Hey, the holistic viewpoint of, you know, if you're trying to make a living off of, you know, you and the content that you create, you really, it's hard to be wedded to any single one platform for all of your business needs, especially kind of, again, with how fast this industry is growing. Um, the concept of like, hey, I'm an influencer, you know, even just, again, five years ago, that sounded so bizarre to some people. Mm. Um, but today, you know, if you're an influencer, you can literally drive, I mean, you can be Kim Kardashian and drive like millions of dollars of sales for something. Or if you even move to the next level, you start building your own products and start driving millions of dollars of sales mm. to, to your very own products. So, um so I, I, I kind of I, I try to recast the conversation instead of saying it's you know it's you know us versus some other platform is saying what more what it's more like akin to is if you're a creator think about all the different channels that that people reach you on. Mm, yeah, and I guess you know going back to like what I was saying, it, it feels like a much it's a much more active earning presence on Twitch where you're not only are you broadcasting through just one platform at that given time, but there's so many different ways for you to be earning income not just relying on other people to sell ads onto your platform. And it's something that I remember reading ages ago, kind of when this adpocalypse happened and someone commented online, you know, that's kind of what you get for relying on someone else's platform, you know, to drive all of your dollars. And that's where I guess the rise of Patreon came around and a lot of more content creators coming on Twitch. How, what, are, what are some of the ways that you support your creators on Twitch? Can you give me some examples? Yeah. So um, 
we'll describe a little bit again about the affiliate program because uh and i pardon me i did pull the the 2018 numbers that we that we share so mm. um you know we have almost 250,000 affiliate streamers and almost number another 8,000 on partners and th those are kind of what we would have stated at the end of last year and i know the numbers clearly have, have grown significantly for that mm. um but those are like at least publicly stated figures that we've shared um, so like if you're an affiliate, like you start off and you're like, Hey, you have this dashboard and it gives you a very clear and transparent way of how you can move, uh, into having, um, a partner status and how your application would be considered for a partner status. Like again, you know, at other social platforms that are out there it's really completely ambiguous on like, how do I become, you know, verified? How do I get my channel, you know, um, supported mm -hmm. and kind of made official? Like we've actually like one of the few social platforms that's like, okay, you, you do these things, then you put in an application and then we'll connect with you. And then, you know, we start to work with you to, to get you there. Um, now, you know, even if you click off everything through the affiliate, it's not a guarantee of becoming a partner because again, there's always, you know, people that, you know, there are always ways that people try to game the system and we, and we take a, you know, for every partner application, we take a, you know, a, a pretty in-depth look and say, Hey, cool. Is this person ready to, to come into the partner program? Um, but then once you're into the partner program, you get, um, support for, a lot of your challenges as a creator. So if you're trying to do something interesting with your channel, um, or if you have a problem with your payout, or if you have a problem with something just happening on your channel, um, we tend to have a much more active, um, uh, hands-on presence for those creators that have reached that size, because we know you're again, the heart of, of what we do. And so we have a, a pretty extensive partnership team, um, that started in North America, uh, but is now, you know, we, in, in almost all of our key regions, we have people. Um, I think you, you've probably met several of our, mm. um, yeah, Lewis has been on the podcast. Yeah. 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 And he's, you know, a great example of, of somebody who has just been, there for the community. Um, they know they love them. You know, they're able to work with him, um, to get, uh, you know, help where they need it. Um, so our partnership team tends to have a lot of that kind of magic of, of being really like driven to help creators, uh, mm -hmm. on a hands-on way, which again is, is different than how a lot of other platforms have, have approached the way that they treat their creators. Yeah. And I feel like a way to boil that down really is you're taking community management to another level. That and also the fact that you're treating the people who are monetizing in your market as partnership businesses rather than people who are just, you know, feeding you free content to sell ads on top of. Yeah. And that's, again, where because I've been <laughs> I've been in that other boat mm. <laughs> and, and it's frustrating. Right. Like, you know, because you put a lot of effort into you know, getting everything from your setup right. Um, if, you know, in the case of, of Twitch, most of our people will, most of our creators will, you know, be streaming from home and will green screen in the background. And, mm. you know, the next set of creators move to kind of like, Hey, we might actually have a studio and we've invested a lot of money and energy into that. And, um, it, you know, it, it, there's a lot of effort that goes into this. And, and if you build a really, you know, um, good streaming schedule, that's, you know, you're doing 20 hours a day, or probably 20 hours a week, that's a lot of energy, right? Mm. Um, and uh, hopefully the the platform that you're, you're trying to grow on appreciates it. 
And um, so I think that, again, is, is what really makes Twitch very unique is that we're creator-focused and creator-led. Yeah, I would agree. And I, I think it's set a precedent for the industry going forward. It's the, the same way, once again, that community managers did in the past with, you know, simply listening to the people who are involved. And, and you're right, it, ca- it can't be understated the fact that other platforms can be very frustrating in the fact that you don't know what's going on. There's algorithm changes, you know, you're getting demonetized, you're not aware of what's happening. Whereas with Twitch, you know, it is rather the opposite. Someone like Lewis, who does partnerships here in Australia, is always available, you know, time permitting to chat to help you understand how to grow your stream, how to get payouts. Um, you know, they offer their partners, um, and I'm kind of doing the sales pitch for you here, I guess, but some other things <laughs> I've noticed, like, you know, sp- special Twitch booths at IEM and, um, um, you know, Twitch parties at large events where partners have a roped off section where they can go and relax without having to worry about, you know, being mauled in public by by consumers and such too. And it seems like a much more wholesome ecosystem. Do you, do you feel like that's your major competitive advantage over over the others in the market or is there other things too that make up that part? Yeah, so you, you nailed something there that I, that I love. Like when we think about events, you know, I've been at companies where events are like, hey, how do we get more people to download the app? Or how do we get more people to, um, you know, whatever, love our, our, our next big promotional gig that we're doing? Mm. Uh, generally, promote events, we're saying, like, will we have a lot of our partnered streamers there? That's okay, because they're, they're our community. They're our heartbeat, you know. And so are they going to be there? And if they are, okay, how do we make this event great for them? And so it's just a, it's just a very different focus um mm. or saying hey if we're gonna go show up at a third party event which is different again than, than twitchcon because the twitchcon is is very much for our community and a celebration of everything kind of around twitch but mm. like if we go get involved with a third party sponsored event um and if we want to do a booth and kind of get set up there that's just this question or like okay um uh, how will this benefit our partners um and will they be there? And is this kind of something that's cool for them? Um, so that's just, again, it's just, it's just a different you know, philosophy on, on how I think we approach content um, versus kind of how some people will say, Hey, again, like we've built this tech platform, just go out and ingest content onto it. And cool. That's it. Um, we really are like partners first and how do we think about building kind of a very good relationship with our partners, but then also setting, I think like the right dynamics with our partners, because, um, it's tough. I mean, like, again, I, I realize a lot of people can commit their energy into Twitch, um, as they can commit themselves to any social platform and still have trouble differentiating their content, um, finding their audience, um, there's again, just more selection on, um, uh, creator content, influencer content than ever before. And that that's only going to keep growing as we go forward. Yeah. And I wanted to pull out that that's an interesting point you made that I feel like a lot of creators as they're trying to grow, will spread themselves too thin across multiple platforms and they will do things like, um, do their regular streams on Twitch and upload them completely unedited to YouTube and you know, hope they'll pop off at the same time or not put enough effort into their Instagram and only be posting on their Twitter and such. And I, I find that a really interesting one. There's not – because it's – like you said, it's a lot of energy and it's a lot of time. To someone who might be running a startup working 80-plus hours a week, 20 hours of, of on-screen time on Twitch mightn't sound like a lot, but it is a very draining experience and it yeah. takes a lot of time pre- and post-stream, even – a streamer who I help manage called Astro Kitty or Alex, you know, he spends at least 40 
45 minutes planning what his opening sequence on stream is going to be, let alone all of the other partnership planning and, you know, working with his subscribers and sponsors and stuff that goes into the stream besides. Yeah. So it kind of, you know, from years of doing again, video content from, from my most previous work experience at Twitter, it's now Twitch. I kind of a couple, I, you know, broader takes on, uh, creator ecosystem, right? Like the, the creators that get big often didn't set out with the goal of being like, Hey, I want to be a big YouTuber or a big Twitch star or a big Instagram influencer, mm-hmm. right? Like they didn't, that wasn't when they, when they started out doing their thing, they were just kind of doing their thing. Right. Um, like one of, I remember this was God, probably about probably about six years ago, I remember meeting Lily Singh. Um, and I'm not sure if, if you were familiar with her, but, you know, mm. she was this, you know, Canadian Indian YouTuber who was just hilarious. And we just thought she was just so funny. Like if, if you're of Indian descent, you, you would just, her, her comedy on like growing up um, as, you know, an Indian of descent in like North America, it was just funny. Um, and she was just doing it to do it, right? Like, mm. You know, now if you look at her career trajectory, you know, and now she's like, you know, shaking hands with, you know, Dwayne, you know, the rock Johnson, she's got her own late night television show. Um, She's a multimillionaire. Like it's sort of like you couldn't have, have necessarily made all those jumps in a planned way. It was Mm. um, a bit of, She found an audience. She's great at what she does. There's certainly a huge element of serendipity into this. Um, uh, But, you know, it's hard for somebody to say, hey, I'm going to set out and, you know, be a, um, you know, again, an influencer and do a thing. A lot of times you're kind of just doing your thing and, and you find that you resonate with people. And that's probably the thing that I've seen most commonly amongst people who become successful creators. And it's not just, again, on anyone wedded to any one platform that they have thought about, oh, okay, hey, different platforms reach different types of people. Like I've seen people that are have built a presence of saying, I'm a great professional communicator. I'm a really deep, um, you know, subject matter expert. I built my audience on LinkedIn because, hey, that's where you tend to find that type of, of audience, mm. right? Um, you know, you have things like snap, which clearly aim at a very young audience, um, in North America and, and parts of Western Europe. Um, you know, they really have a strong, strong presence with like a teen audience. Uh, Twitter is now actually matured a bit, you know, Twitter really is a, it's a platform that tends to be a bit older. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I guess some people still use Facebook, so yeah. <laughs> you know. But but then in in, in every market um, and by geography, it starts really looking different, right? Mm. Like um, uh, you know, Facebook in in America, the demographic and the age group around that will look different than like Facebook in in um, emerging markets. So um, I think as a creator, it's kind of um, it's upon you to hopefully stay, I think, true and relevant to the content that you find is interesting, realize which of those social platforms can make sense to you. Um, and obviously, you know, my job is at Twitch is to be a huge advocate for what we do and to make our, make it a very fair and, and good platform for creators who create live, you know, streaming and video content. Um, 
hopefully that's a, uh, it's it, it, hopefully that's a, a bit of a, mm. a comprehensive picture because again, I, 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 I really try to cast the con whenever I talk to a creator, I try to cast conversation uh, less in like us versus some other platform versus being all right. If you're trying to become a creator on the content that you do, here's my general view on it. It, it, it is kind of a holistic picture. Mm. And it's about, you know, pulling out from what you're saying, it's about content first and it's experience first. And I'm getting a lot of similar vibes to what you were talking about, about supporting your creators at events and other marketing beasts like Red Bull, for example, which aren't pushing, mm-hmm. you know, they're not doing drink taste reviews uh, and working with people on pushing, you know, health benefits or special things out of their drink. They're literally attaching it to extreme sports in the past anyway and saying, look, you can do cool things and, and here's the association with the brand. And I guess for you as Twitch, you know, these partnered streamers, they are your advertising as well uh, because it's in their best interest to push their potential audience, you know, new or old across the Twitch at all times and attend these events and, you know, be part of this ecosystem that you've created. So it's like an all encompassing, uh, evil eye that can look over them, but you know, hopefully not in too much of an evil way. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's always fun and fascinating to see it on a, on a very firsthand and visceral, uh, um, sense because I've been in, Taiwan, Australia, Thailand, U.S., Singapore. I mean, where I've literally been with a creator who, um, you know, and many of our creators are often, I got to call it, they're they're just very genuine, cool people. Mm. You know, they didn't, like our largest creators never set out to become some, hey, I want to become a household name and I want to become big. I want to become rich. You know, that's not it. They were just kind of doing their thing. And it resonated with people. And then to be with, you know, her in Taiwan, like literally walking with one of our largest creators into a Taipei game show and just literally seeing a crowd of people start running that direction. And we had to like very quickly get into our, you know, Twitch booth and, and get them and set up to, cause they were there to do a meet and a greet. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, our meet and greets are, are hilarious. They're, they're a lot of fun to see, um, how much fun the creators have actually, you know, meeting our audience um, and, and their fans. And so, uh, and again, I've seen that just in multiple different countries with, you know, different societies of people that just get radically excited about our creators. And to me, that's just, it's a lot of fun to, to help support that. So moving away a little bit from creators and, and more to events, um, and, and talk shows and, and esports tournaments, there's a lot of talk in the esports market that a large part of or portion of revenue that's missing that needs to be found is that of rights and purchasing of rights. Mm. I, you know, I think it'd be safe to say that the Twitch really is the default right now. If anyone's looking to broadcast a tournament online, you know, which kind of points to the fact that that once again that that rights aren't something that exists too much. Do you see something like that? will be more of a development in the future uh, for yourself and your company? Or is, are we talking a long ways off? Or do you think that they need to be looking at different monetary streams instead? Great question. Um, so I can kind of, from, from my view, kind of, here's what I see. Like on any given weekend, there is now a esports event. There is a publisher event. There is a community event. There is something happening. Um, like, like on a calendar. And whereas even maybe, you know, if you go back a couple of years ago, you know, the calendar was punctuated by uh, a couple of very large events and then kind of a quiet time in between. 
now there is globally, literally an event uh, every weekend and often even through the week. Right. Mm. Um, so, okay. That makes it a bit of a challenge, right? Cause there's no way that, that one can go out and buy all that content nor should, should one, right. You, you, uh, usually invest in content with the idea that, um, that you see a monetary benefit on the other side of that, right? Like if you say, Hey, I got the rights around this. Hopefully then we monetize that through ads or through mm. subsold or through, you know, cheering that would happen within the platform. And the reality is not, um, every, uh, event that takes place will have a huge monetization, uh, element around that. Um, also I think adding to that complexity is a bit of the forecasting, right? Um, so if you compare it to like, Hey, what had been like decades of traditional television, you had a pretty good idea. Hey, once a TV show was a hit, if you said, Hey, we have friends, right? Like, all right, it's been a hit for several decades or probably several years. And so you can start forecasting every decade. You will have so many hit television shows and, and you can forecast and say, here's what we think we can do on ad sales uh, against that. Um, that really changes pretty radically in our world on almost now, I think a quarterly basis because games rise and fall very, very quickly. Um, individual creators can sometimes just explode in their, um, household awareness. Um, and so the idea of like buying and securing rights, um, often which have to be negotiated long in advance. Um, I think that model needs to change um, because we, like any platform, I don't think can get saddled with super heavy content costs only to find out, huh, by the time we actually started broadcasting this, it wasn't as big as we thought it was, or the biggest players um, have still have gravitated over to another game mm. um, or so on. And that's like, uh, that is a, a really dynamic element of, uh, I think the, the esports industry, that's really tough for a lot of people to understand when they sit outside the industry and they're, and they're, and they're trying to learn about it. Yeah. And, and while it's always important to denote the difference between gaming and esports, you know, gaming being more casual and esports being a more competitively structured environment, it's becoming more and more common that the whales of Twitch streaming, the people like Shroud, Dr. Disrespect and Ninja, etc., really can make or break a game a lot of the time. And similar to the comments you were making, we saw that happen with Apex Legends, yep. you know, getting 50 million downloads in a very short amount of time. And now the game, if you look at Twitch hours consumed, has really waned because they've either, the those content creators have moved back to Fortnite, they've moved on to other kind of quote-unquote fad games like Battalion 1944 and such. And it seems that maybe Apex has missed the boat to be able to capitalize on that large exposure yeah you, you've touched on a number of uh, key elements there right so um how you know people or game developers that want to secure star streamers mm. um and that's something like nat has then given rise to hey there's agencies that represent um those key streamers and hey if you want them to play a game um guess what you're probably going to be talking to their agent mm. right um and uh, you know, some games just happen to hit a chord with folks as well. They just take off and wait. I don't think anybody, if I if even go back like two years ago, people, if anybody had predicted Fortnite would become a household name mm. in America, like I, I, you could show up 
in the middle of Kansas and there's going to be, and you know, some kid doing the Fortnite dance or one of the, you know, you know, yeah. in the middle of the street, it'll just, if somebody had predicted that, right. Um, I, I would love to see that, that person who had that crystal ball because there are again, these elements that like, we can see things that are definitely growing and we have a lot of data on our side. Like when we, we can see, um, you know, Hey, on a weekly basis, huh, something is growing a whole lot faster than normal. But then there are these still these elements of breakouts that that just still do happen. And um, and again, if you're um, uh, a game developer and you're a publisher and you're figuring, OK, hey, let me really align closely with a particular streamer, um, you know, that has both pros and cons. Um, and I think that, again, any like, you know, for referencing some of the earlier conversations about how um, the influencer market has grown so rapidly. Um, what happens when your influencer does something nuts or something crazy that misrepresents your brand? Like if you've aligned too closely with that, oh my God, all of a sudden you've got a whole other kind of uh, headache to deal with. Mm. So, um, again, the industry is growing pretty fast and evolving, uh, which is one of the reasons I think it's both challenging, but it's also a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. And I'm just, just pulling up the numbers here to look at a game like Apex Legends that, you know, from, from my analysis is has dropped off, you know, maybe due to lack of content and community inter- integration and tournaments, et cetera. And, you know, that's that was sitting pretty at, at, you know, number one for a while when Fortnite took a big dip because of these aforementioned large streamers sw- swapping over. But now, you know, it's sitting down at 16th uh, for this month in hours watched, whereas, um, you know, Fortnite's back at number one and League of Legends, as always, is very strong at sitting at number two. Yeah, and what's uh, probably an, an additional kind of, you know, uh, layer that I can offer on top of that is how much that varies by region. Um, so things like PUBG Mobile have just exploded in parts of Asia, mm. right? Like, and that's something that, uh, you know, again, the kid in Kansas probably wouldn't be playing PUBG Mobile, but the kid in, you know, New Delhi is, right? Mm. So um, there's a geographic kind of layer that gets kind of on top of that, as well as then what drives that is, what's the platform, right? So, um, you know, I think this is kind of like skates to where I think kind of the evolution of product starts moving to is it, um, hey, look, you know, many parts of Asia where that I will look at, you know, not it's not easy for everybody to, you know, play Dota 2 on a, you know, $2,000 machine, mm. but they can play PUBG Mobile on $120 Android, right? And so, um, and for, for Twitch, that's gaming, right? Like whether, like, you know, we have no, um, you know, we have, we play no favorites when it comes to um, the platform or the, or the publisher. We want everybody to do well. Um, and the growth of where gaming is starting to happen, especially around certain titles, um, can be shifted drastically by geography and the the product itself and kind of like the platform that it plays on. Mm. And, you know, trying to trying to be hyper aware of your time because obviously you're a busy man, I'd, I'd love to change the tact a little bit of the discussion. We've talked a bit about gaming and we talked about esports, but something that's rising on Twitch so much is, you know, completely different things. Could you touch on a little bit about some of your offerings that you're that you've got in the market right now and how they've been functioning for you around, you know, Twitch sings and just chatting, et cetera. Yeah. Twitch sings is like, it's still so, in such early innings, but it's so fun to see what, and the creativity that, that comes around it. Um, squad streams um, where again, people will be able to participate with, you know, not just kind of, you know, watching one person, but, but multiple people. Mm. 
Um, I'm kind of always curious as to like, uh, I, I call it like the creativity that people, like the ways that we have built a product and then you kind of uh, release it into kind of like the wild and you kind of see how people use it sometimes looks very different than what, um, your, your plans were uh, originally on it. Um, for me, it more particularly in kind of this part of the world in, in Asia, like I, I'm really, uh, focused on like, how do we improve kind of the experience for, um, first time people, first time viewers that are coming to, to the platform. So like if you are, Hey, brand new to the platform in, um, Thailand or in Australia or in, uh, you know, Taiwan, how do we help surface content that's relevant to you? Mm-hmm. Um, that, that you're more likely to engage with, mm-hmm. uh, how do I, you know, think about the product in terms of re- removing steps of friction around, um, Hey, you want to buy, um, bits, you want to support uh, a streamer. How do I, how can I make that process more seamless? Like, you know, like many Silicon Valley companies, um, the products tend to get you know, the, the product roadmap and like the engineering roadmap tends to be very us centric mm-hmm. and very Western world centric. So, Hey, cool. Let's, you know, you know, make this work great on iOS and make sure that the PayPal is integrated and you're like, cool, but you know, people in our world don't really use iOS as much. Mm-hmm. And PayPal is not the premier, you know, preferred payment instrument out in this part of the world. So, um, I think about, you know, for, for kind of Asia and Southeast Asia, like how do we elevate the experience so it is as frictionless um, on the platform and on the way that people want to transact if if they want to move from being just a you know just a fan to an actual consumer of the content? Um, how do we improve those things to be more localized for the region? So um, it's often I call it like the stuff that sits behind the curtain. It's not as fun and glamorous as, Hey, getting to, to walk around with uh, our partners and at kind of an event, but mm-hmm. it's the stuff that actually makes the platform grow, especially with those key metrics, uh, like around revenue and, and user user growth and time on time spent on the platform. Yeah. And I've had a bit of personal experience with this working in, um, kind of global manufacturing companies like Corsair and Thermal Take, but I'd love for you to touch on for the listeners, the challenges in working with such an, such an environment, and across, you know, APJ or or, all Southeast Asia plus Australia. You mentioned um, kind of, you know, the US versus other countries, but how does it go when you're trying to manage the culture of Australia versus Thailand uh, versus, you know, many other people who are directly under your control? Yeah, so this kind of comes to this example or kind of comment of a little earlier, I should say, of like it's interesting once you've built the platform how when it's released into the wild, people in different markets use it differently and have a different experience with it, right? So in Australia, what we've interestingly seen are there are a lot of streamers who can connect with a U.S. audience in part because of some some time zone play, but then also because, hey, they predominantly stream in English, right? So um, that creates a very different dynamic, like, you, you know, just this, you know, um, about two weeks ago during the Fortnite Pro-Am, you know, you have Loser Fruit there and and it's great, you know, because she can easily end up uh, at, at an event like that, speak in English and, and totally connect, right? That's a different challenge for a uh, partner in like a Taiwan or Thailand who, you know, their entire content base is in, is in Thai or in, in Chinese. So mm. um, the, the challenge looked different. And then, 
we, you know, even um, when you think about the audience, then like, you know, the concept of um, subscription content and like microtransactions towards tipping, that's a relatively new concept in many Asian markets, right? Like that's like not a, there isn't, like if I take something like even like in India, for an example, um, the idea of paying for subscription content is really only a few years old. I mean, you, you can talk about like how, you know, digital direct to home television tried for, you know, a decade to work in India. It just really never grew. It had, you know, found some traction, but never a significant amount. Mm. Um, and now we're trying to have to think about, uh, even if you look at kind of at the, the broader level, if you even think about like how Amazon operates, like, you know, Amazon's trying to figure out like, huh, how do we do something like prime video where it's tailored to the market, where the pricing is different per market mm -hmm. such that you're removing, um, you're making it so affordable and you're removing so many barriers on the, the process to conversion that like, Hey, this is just easier than, you know, pirating content or, Hey, there's a live stream of content that, you know, I can only, it, it's so much easier to get it from this, this point of distribution that why would I bother going and trying to, you know, pirate the content from something else. Um, and those are again, very different sets of, um, business problems than kind of how, content gets distributed in places like America or Western Europe. Yeah, and it sounds like a very interesting balancing act, I guess, thinking back as to what we've discussed in the past hour or so. You know, we've talked about supporting your current creators. We've we've talked about new user acquisition and staying ahead of competitors. And what you're doing in, you know, the emerging part of technology is similar to what many of these listeners are doing right now in esports, where you're having to build the industry, guide it, and maintain your market share at the same time, which is a, a lot of tasks to do at once. Yeah. And and I, you know, and, and maybe this is kind of a way to kind of adds at least some summary to kind of a broader view on, a, uh, you know, how I try to lead my teams here is like, there are a lot of elements of where we're growing that have yet to be fully uh, fleshed out. Like, again, when you come back to things like IP rights, how closely do you align with any individual creator? How do we support a growing platform? Like, those are going to be things we constantly are calibrating against every quarter or every you know year when we, we think about our yearly plans. Mm. But there are some things that I like. I guarantee, right? And and here are things that I guarantee, like. One, take a long-term view. Um, like if you're, when you're in your business interactions with people, people shouldn't feel like, hey, you're just trying to um, screw them in a zero-sum game and, you know, you're just trying to get the better of them. Hopefully you're interacting with people so that, you know, five, 10, 15 years from now, you've built a professional network that you're going to look back and say, hey, I really enjoyed working with that person. And when we had a tough set of business decisions, they were fair and honest, right? Um, it, it's been crazy how many esports um, uh, conversations I, I have entered into where people on the other side just weren't professional. Mm. Um, you know, just you weren't sure of the honesty um, of of the and, and the intent of, of some uh, of some of those discussions, and I just try to say, hey, take a long term view, right? Like those are things that I guarantee that if you, um, you know, you make a habit of it and you work with people to say, Hey, we're trying to figure out a win-win for everybody. And maybe not every time we'll get there, but if, if that's the case, I'll tell you, and I'll, I'll speak, you know, I'll, I'll shoot straight with you. Like 
those are things that I guarantee no matter what high growth tech industry that you were involved with, those will pay dividends for the long term. Um, so so take try to take that view and realize this is a really fast growing industry, mm. but there are some things that we can we can hold certain of. And, you know, that's kind of, again, one of them, transparency, honesty, um, trying to work with the best intentions with your partner. Um those, those are uh, pretty solid things to invest behind. Yeah, very true. And, you know, maintaining that micro view for, for those listeners of this podcast, of which I know there are a few who are looking to make an entry into the esports market. I always say that working in an esports team is one fantastic way to get hired and also being a Twitch streamer. That's another great way because you've got so many experiences across everything from technology to broadcast to camera and equipment, audio engineering, social media, community management, and also partnerships and outreach, working with sponsors and various other companies. So you're probably a lot more well-versed in business than you'd think, you know, out of pure necessity. Yeah. You touched on something there. We could probably spend almost a whole other hour going into is just, again, I think the, the overall growth of this industry isn't around any kind of one single, you know, faucet or one single party. Mm. Um, people that are involved in kind of gaming, like video, esports, like this is just the future of entertainment. So um, the skills that you pick up, um, you'll find that they will pay dividends down the road. Like I, if I went back like 2012, when I built a studio in India to shoot, you know, our YouTube content, if I ever thought that that would somehow pay super heavy dividends to where I'm you know, now a GM at, at Twitch, I it was probably hard to see at the time. Um, but it is now something that became very clear, like, oh, wow, like, again, how much effort it takes to get the right studio set up, how that improves the quality of your stream, how that means you're more likely to get people to stick to um, your uh, to your content, you know, talking to your streamers or talk, talking to your, your audience saying, hey, if you like what I'm doing, please subscribe below, um, you know, or, you know, find me on these channels, uh, these other social channels. Like that's that's just the way that media has evolved and it will continue to evolve. We're not, we're not going to go back to the stage of like, let me go back, sit down on a television, flop on cable TV and, and see what's there. That Those days are kind of done and over. Yeah, very true. So for anyone who would like to connect with you and learn more about your journey, where can they do so? Um, I'm pretty active on Twitter. Uh, I do check uh, LinkedIn uh, decently. Uh, so I guess it depends on if you're trying to find more resources to learn about Twitch and how to become a streamer. We have tons of information uh, that's all super fun to, to digest and go through on our website. But hey, here's how I start with a stream. And you know, here's how I download you know, whatever exploit or OBS. And here's how I tie it to my account. It's one side of it. Um, Another element, kind of what I do is I meet with a lot of brands and companies who are trying to understand our platform. Um, and, um, you know, always happy to be connect uh, via LinkedIn on that. That tends to be again, a little bit more of the professional connection. Mm -hmm. And my random musings about um, esports, politics and entertainment, you probably will find it on Twitter. Fantastic. And, you know, for you having such a, a breadth of experience across many different things, starting off with charity, you know, working in startups and, and now, um, you know, in a, in a large corporate, is this uh, is this where you think you'll stay for a long time or is there something else on the horizon? Uh, I love it here. This is great. I, I sort of feel like this is, a, again, I feel like I, if I could go back to that nine-year-old boy that was playing Metal Gear at like 1 a.m. and tell him, 
don't worry, you will be okay. You will find a job. <laughs> yeah. That lets you get away with uh, playing video games. Um, I wish I could go back and uh, just tell that kid, hey, relax. Don't worry, it'll, it'll all pan out. Um, but this is, I feel so fortunate to, to be here and to work with a really great team and to, to hopefully help be a steward uh, for the Twitch community and the Twitch brand. This is, I'm crazy busy, an inbox that's overflowing, but I've never had as much fun as I'm having right now. Yeah, I think uh, so many people, myself included, have very similar stories to what you were saying. Uh, for me, it was World of Warcraft at 4am that got me banned off the internet for a while. So, yeah, I think sticking with gaming isn't always the worst thing, as as proven firsthand by by you and myself. Yeah, you know, and that's you know, it's funny. I'm now at an age where I meet a lot of parents who are asking me like, "Hey, is it all right that my kid plays as much uh, PUBG Mobile or as much Fortnite?" And I'm like. You know, all things considered, it's a pretty safe way to pass time on the internet. You know, like I mean, there's a lot for there are a lot worse things that people could be doing out there. So, right. you know, if people are spending time playing a game and connecting with the community online, uh, that tends to be a you know focused around the game. It's yeah, you know, all things considered, it's a it's not a bad way. It's pretty safe compared to all of the wild world that's out there. So, uh, so yeah, yeah, very true. So, uh, wrapping up the podcast quickly, what's coming up next for you? What does your next six months look like as we're rounding out twenty nineteen? Um, sure. So, one, there are some markets I think that we're we're trying to build a game plan to enter into. Um, you know, Singapore is a relatively uh, new place for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're trying to figure out like, what are the next elements of, um, team that we add here? Um, much of Asia has been really kind of focused around purely content, but I mean, we can see kind of, as we want to expand a go to market presence, there are things around marketing and user growth that will be really critical to us. Um, we'll be adding uh, a sales component because it's exciting to see how many brands are like, hey, how do I work with Twitch and how do I understand this audience? So the remaining six months get super busy with you know building up a team and really setting our Sounds crazy, but setting our 2020 plans, we're only halfway through 2019, but we, you know, in the, in, in the best run businesses, you start thinking about where you want to be six, 12, 18 months down the road. And then, you know, I, I was just looking at the calendar earlier this morning. Um, TwitchCon is just around the corner. Um, it sounds crazy, but like, again, that starts getting super busy in, in September and planning for that. That's just a ton of fun. Um, so those are some of the, some of the larger things that are on the uh, that are on the calendar. Yeah, well, thanks so much for doing us today, mate. It's been a very enlightening experience to talk to someone such as experienced as yourself in multi different tech facets. Absolutely, my pleasure. Thanks for thanks for having me here. Thanks, mate, and thank you for listening in to the Big Esports Podcast. This has been episode number forty two. For any of the show notes or links to what we've talked about today, make sure you head to bigesports.gg forward slash four two to find all of that. Thanks for listening, and bye for now. Thanks for tuning into our podcast today. For show notes, relevant links, and upcoming projects, you can check us out online at bigesports.gg or follow us on our social medias at bigesports underscore gg. 